Fusion, the international science radio show. We have a bouncer and the doors of perception. The good, the bad, the ugly. It gets pretty exciting. The myths, the truths. Toxicology. Astro-seismology. Magnetism, the dark side. Genetically engineered potatoes. Planetoid. Planetoid. I love that word. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Diffusion. Sit back and relax while we inject weird and wonderful science directly into your genes. I'm Ian Wolfe. On this special voice-operated edition, Patrick Catanzariti returns to talk about devices using voice recognition and artificial intelligence. But first up, Diffusion Science Radio has been selected by the judges as one of the three finalists for the inaugural Castaway Podcast Awards in the category of science, technology, and gaming. The winners of awards in 10 categories will be announced at the Giant Dwarf Theatre on Saturday, April 1st. Good luck to everyone. And now Patrick Catanzariti, founder of DevDiner, returns to talk about the new era of voice-operated devices. I spoke with Patrick in Sydney's Spice Alley and began by asking him what is totally new in the world of emerging technology. I think one of the other really huge things that keeps is popping up, which people didn't really expect, is voice-controlled interfaces. It's very, very similar to when we were chatting before last time, previous interview, of the voice-controlled Barbies and stuff, where kids were having, you know, dolls. I didn't purchase one myself. I don't really need a Barbie. But the idea of bringing voice control to computing is a very interesting one, one which I have ranted about before because I don't completely agree with it to the same extent that a lot of others are. The concept of like the Amazon Echo, which a lot of people in Australia don't know of because it's not officially released here, but in the US and England and I think Germany, they have them and they're very lucky. You can get one in Australia, but you have to order it and pay the crazy amounts of shipping and importing and all that stuff. But the idea behind it is you have a standalone device that is listening for a keyword. In the case of the Amazon Echo, it's a word that starts with A, which I won't say because if any listeners actually have it, it'll set off their devices. But it can do a whole range of stuff, but it's completely based on audio. So you can speak at it and ask it for the weather. You could play podcasts with it and say, hey, play this podcast. And it has an omnidirectional microphone, so it can pick you up from a whole bunch of different areas in the room. It also has noise filtering, so it can kind of still hear you even if there's a whole bunch of other conversations going on. It'll still pick up that you said its name and will listen for what you're actually trying to tell it, which is crazy advanced and actually very cool. And the reason why it's so exciting and also kind of moving everybody along to this voice-controlled interface is that it actually was adopted really, really quickly in America. It's, they've been selling out constantly and people keep buying them. And it's become this really really useful and easy way of kind of getting quick information so compared to getting out your smartphone and saying okay what's the weather going to be like today if you can just say really kind of quickly oh hey what's the weather going to be today and something can just quickly tell you while you're going on your the rest of your day that's really handy people who listen to podcasts so everybody listening to this right now they find it super handy because if you've got a whole bunch of them then you can literally just go into any room you've got and just say, hey, play this podcast. It can track where you've listened. So you can just say, oh, hey, pause, go into a different room, continue, just say, hey, play it again. And so you've got this voice interface where if you're cooking, if you're doing stuff where you've got your hands full, um, if you're out gardening and you have an echo that's just in your garden, it becomes really easy to kind of just 
use a computer without actually needing to use your hands. So that's very cool. Google are also trying it. They've got a Google Home device, which is basically an Echo, but not. And Amazon have made it another open platform where they're getting a whole bunch of other people, other devices and things to all be compatible. So you can have the same intelligence that Amazon Echo has, but in cars and in other speakers, a whole sorts of stuff. So it's kind of just branching out and spreading like wildfire, which is great. But there is the one downside which nobody really seems to think about, which is if you live in a house with a whole bunch of people and say you've got a smart home and you want to turn on your light using your Amazon Echo, which I do all the time, saying, oh, hey, turn on my bedroom light is wonderful if you live alone. But if you've got a partner who's sleeping and you want to turn on the lights, say, in another room and you are verbally saying really loudly, hey, turn on my lights, that's not really feasible. You, you don't want to wake up the entire house. And the Echo at the moment isn't smart enough to really understand if you whisper at it. It can still kind of pick you up, but it won't whisper back at you. It will just speak really loudly or at whatever volume it was previously set at. And it can wake people up. So voice control, that's just one example. There are many examples, or I'm sure you guys could also think of in your lives, where speaking at a computer isn't the most kind of it, it's not the best way to kind of communicate. If you had an office full of people, you don't want everybody speaking at the computers because that would just drive everybody insane. I don't want to hear what the person next to me is doing on their computer. I just want to work. So I'm really hoping that there is a level of sanity in the kind of planning of these systems to not just be like, oh, we'll never need to kind of use a mouse and keyboard again. We'll just speak at our computers forever because that won't work. The rise of artificial intelligence is also kind of growing this a bit where people are like, well, with artificial intelligence, you won't have a keyboard and mouse. So how are we going to talk to our computers? Well, we'll just speak at them. The solution though is kind of a mix. So. What I'm hoping is that we're gonna have a mix of both voice control, which is wonderful, the existing controls we've already got of just having you know, regular computing where you have a screen and you press buttons and you get things to happen. You don't need to speak at it at all. And then the third way, which was something which a lot of the tech media kind of didn't pick up on, which was the rise of chatbots. So a lot of people have noticed that every chat program you have now, Slack started with them, and then now Skype has them, and almost every single kind of platform, Facebook Messenger has them. The idea of having like a bot that you kind of type at and it will have a predefined kind of set of knowledge, some bots that companies are building are things like, you know, book a flight or that style of kind of thing, ask what the weather is, where instead of speaking at it, you type on like Facebook Messenger or you type on Slack or other chat programs to kind of trigger events to happen. And it's really similar to kind of speaking at it, but through text. The ideal situation and where I'm hoping everybody goes with it is that we'll have voice controlled interfaces, but we'll also be able to have sideways of also interacting with it. So if it's not appropriate to be speaking at it, then you can get out your phone and quickly just message it and say really quickly, even in text talk, it's like really quick and just be like, hey, turn on my light. Or ideally for something as simple as turn on a light, you just have a button that you can turn on a light rather than having to constantly type every command you want because that's not really making technology more helpful. It's actually making it a pain in the butt. So that sort of level of kind of, if it's a complicated thing, if you're like, hey, what's the weather going to be tomorrow at five o'clock? That's not something you want to be able to type into your phone, but it's something where if you are really desperate and you don't want to speak it out loud, you can kind of get by with like a quick textual interface. So that's kind of an area which is emerging. It's not really as common in Australia yet, which is why I'm excited to see how long it'll take and who will get here first, because Amazon are taking a while and I think Google are going to be very eager to kind of try and beat them to the punch. So we will see. 
if there's something that people are trying to kind of tinker with, the Amazon Echo is really, really good at it. There's a lot of kind of developer stuff. You can make your own Amazon Echo using a Raspberry Pi really, really easily. You can do a whole, all sorts of stuff, which doesn't have to cost a lot of money. And if you want an Amazon Echo and you look them up, they're also really, really cheap ones that you can get that are more like Bluetooth speakers. They're there, but they're there to be connected to an actual speaker. So you've already got speakers. You can just get a really tiny kind of portable Amazon Echo, which you can connect to your own existing devices. So if you want to kind of get a head start and start trying out voice-controlled interfaces, then that is a really cool idea. You totally should. And Amazon had a, a brilliant marketing strategy for getting them out there. You can buy your groceries with your Amazon Echo. You can buy almost anything, and it'll either buy it from Amazon if they sell it first automatically, unless you say otherwise, or with an affiliated one so Amazon get a cut. Yes. And it is actually was actually really fascinating because really recently, Jeff Bezos, CEO of Amazon, kind of surprisingly went against what everybody thought, like mainstream opinion, which was basically the whole reason Amazon has this device is because they get to have tons of orders on Amazon because who are you going to buy from? You're going to buy from, you know, your grocer. We you have to actually get up and leave your house and go visit them and talk to people and interact and go and pick up all of your groceries and stuff. Or are you going to just talk to the Amazon Echo and say, hey, you know, order me 600 toilet rolls. I will never have to leave the house again sort of thing. And the whole kind of initial thought was, well, everybody will just start ordering from Amazon because if they've got the interface and that's just how you order things in the future, then nobody will buy from anybody else. And while that's partially true, according to Jeff Bezos, it's not really the ideal way to do all of your purchasing, which actually does make sense. So there are things which you don't want to buy without a screen. You can't buy things like shoes or really visual stuff with the Amazon Echo. Like, well, you can, but you don't really get that same sort of comfort of knowing that you're actually buying the right thing. You have to see things a lot of the time to buy them. So he kind of went against what a lot of people thought, where everybody's just saying, well, that's the only reason they're doing it. We don't actually really know the real reason why they're doing it. I think partially it's just because they thought it'd be cool. They don't seem to be making a whole lot of money from, like, I don't know, they may be making really good deals, but the fact that they're going out and they've, like, open sourced the entire kind of platform and are letting all these other people do the same thing, where they can just go out and make their own kind of compatible devices, means that, at the very least, that's not going to be making them a ton of money. But there is somewhere that it is kind of advantaging them which is if voice control is the next interface, which chances are it's going to be one of the next interfaces. As previously mentioned, I hope it's not the only next interface and we all kind of just never use anything else. But in that case, Amazon are very smart because they're getting their stuff out there to as many devices as possible, mimicking other companies like Microsoft with Windows. They kind of completely just destroyed Apple because they went, well, we don't need to make our own computers. We just get everybody else to make computers. And then if every computer out there apart from Apple computers has Windows, we win. And then another company who was also not Apple, called Google, went and made Android and then made a whole bunch of open kind of platforms, which then everybody went and took. And now there are just Android devices everywhere. Even though Apple are kind of relatively dominant still in a few countries, Largely around the world, they're like way behind and most people are just buying Android because it's cheaper and most people don't want to spend thousands of dollars on their phone in other countries. Australia and I think America are the two where people do tend to still buy iPhones because of the socioeconomic status and that sort of thing. I think China as well, it's a very big thing to have iPhones. But leading on from that is that if the next platform is voice, 
then Amazon are very smart because they've got this platform now that they're spreading like wildfire as a virus into all these other devices. A lot of cars and a lot of just devices overall, smart speakers, things like Sonos speakers, are all starting to get Amazon Echo compatible. And that means that if you're out there and you're trying to find a device that you want to buy, if you're trying to choose between, say, Google Home or an Amazon Echo, chances are you might go for the Amazon Echo because it's compatible with more of your devices, or chances are you've already got, say, in the future, three or four devices that already are working with Amazon Echo, so you just stick with that service because that's what all of your other stuff is already working with. And so it becomes very similar to the same issues with Android and iPhone or Windows and Mac, is that one will be slightly more prevalent over time and so Amazon's play could just be they want to own the platform because once they own the platform, then they can find ways of monetizing it. You're listening to Ian Wolf on Diffusion Science Radio. Send emails to science at diffusionradio.com. We're brought to you across Australia on the Community Radio Network and podcast over the internet on www.diffusionradio.com. How they monetize it is a complete mystery. You can't really give people ads on voice. Hold on. So if you have control of microphones in everybody's households, how could you possibly monetize that? (laughs) Yeah. Well, there are kind of pros and cons. So it is a thing where, say, there are conspiracy theories as well that say that Amazon can always listen to you and they will have wonderful control over, you know, many devices everywhere and we'll all live in a wonderful world like 1984. And, you know, eventually the government will be listening to every conversation you have. And that very well might happen. At the moment, they're not always listening to you. So they have microphones in your house, but they only are triggered by the word where you say that word and then it starts to record. There's a local buffer, which basically is always listening, but that buffer doesn't go anywhere. It literally is just kind of temporarily listening and kind of just slowly kind of deletes what it previously heard and just kind of is always just listening for a single word. So it's very dumb. And then once it hears the word, then the smarts come in, but the smarts go to Amazon and say, hey, he just said this, what did he mean? Let's kind of just debug it and kind of actually work out the meaning behind it. But having all these microphones is actually, it's a good thing and a bad thing. So it's a good thing in that they could find ways of monetizing it. They can partner with people and be like, well, we have the people who have this platform in all of their houses. So if you want to work with somebody and you want to work with us, you're going to have to pay us all this money. But they're not really doing it yet. So there could be a backlash if they tried to implement monetization after the fact, where all these people are like, well, we're already working with you for free. This is me guessing, though. They might not actually be working for them for free. I think there's another possibility is marketing information. So they're already, if you've got an internet TV, it's trying to work out who's watching the ads, whether you're wearing glasses, when you're paying attention, when you're not paying attention, what your age and gender is, and all this sort of tries to process locally and then send the data back home. If they could do similar things from marketing, Facebook's already doing that, right? It accesses your microphone to work out what ads to show you. So maybe Amazon could get marketing information by listening without recording your conversations. It's sure I'd be interested to see how they manage. (laughs) I think one of the other really difficult things, I think it depends on the processing power of the devices, but there is a level of like analyzing what you're saying, which is really difficult to do in real time, where it's very much with a lot of the artificial intelligence side of things at the moment, we can't really do a lot locally. Like we are very, very reliant on sending things up to the cloud and have like big server farms 
processing what you just said to work out any meaning from it whatsoever. But at the same time, there are companies that are being very sneaky already and using your smartphone microphone to be around when you're watching TV. And if you've got certain apps installed, of which I wouldn't be able to tell you which apps there are, but there are literally like spyware sort of things at the moment, which will literally listen all the time to what you're doing, stream it to various services, and tell people, well, at this time of the day, they're listening to this because they recognize what they heard from your TV. So that stuff's happening. Amazon could do that, but at the moment, I don't think they are, and I think it may be difficult for them to do it based on the architecture they've already set up. But that's not to say they won't do it in the future. And when it comes to like ethical companies, as much as I really like the Amazon Echo, I would never put my reputation on the line to say I completely trust Amazon 100%. But there is a level of monetization which I hope doesn't happen where if it's marketing related stuff, the last thing you want is to have microphones which listen to what you're saying and then butt into your conversations. That would be a pain in the butt. And that won't happen soon because I think the whole computation thing will be difficult where luckily it's waiting for the word. So if you don't say that wake word, it won't interrupt your conversation unless you seem to have a child, and I'm gonna say it once and if your Amazon goes off, I'm sorry. But if you have a child named Alexa or if, you have a, if your name is Alex, your life is also rather difficult for the upcoming foreseeable future. You have to change all of your Amazon Echoes to have a different wake word. You can choose Echo. And I think recently you can now choose computer because I think people at Amazon really got off on Star Trek and thought that it'd be fun to just be able to say, okay, computer, and give it commands. I wanted to ask you, so if you wanted to build your own device with a Raspberry Pi, can you just download and use the Amazon development kit or do you have to pay them a fee for using their voice recognition? I think at the moment it's free. I think you can just download it and use it. I don't know if it'll always be free or whether it's like the initial thing where you get people hooked into it and then once they're reliant on you, you start charging them a fee. I think it is very much them just trying to get the platform out to as many people as possible at the moment. So they're not gonna charge so much for it. It's really easy. There's just a GitHub repository where you go on, download it, and there are instructions in a whole bunch of places on how to install it on a Raspberry Pi. The hardest thing is getting your Raspberry Pi set up with a microphone and getting that to actually be compatible and working. It won't be the same level of quality as an Amazon Echo, unless you can find an omnidirectional microphone which can hear over noise and all of that stuff. I haven't seen anybody do that yet, so most of them rely on just really basic kind of desktop microphones, so it's not as good, but if you're in like a relatively quiet environment, it doesn't quite matter. And the speaker is another thing, so you have to go out and buy a speaker of some sort, but it also gives you control, so you can get a really high quality speaker if you want really good sound and you want to use your Raspberry Pi to play music and things. So it's simple and it's, it is free, but the cost comes in to buying all those extra things for your Raspberry Pi, because Raspberry Pis don't come with speakers and they don't really come with microphones, so you need to buy those. So they're getting rid of noise by having lots of microphones in different directions and subtracting the noise? Yes, so they've got a whole bunch that they partially listen like in all directions, and they've also got all the smarts involved in the actual device, so the software side is also doing a lot of filtering and working on what you're saying. They, I think, are starting to get copied by other companies too. Um, now they've seen what they did, and they're like, oh, that's a smart idea, we'll do it too. But it is both, so it's both hardware side, having a whole bunch of them that are all like listening in different directions, and then software side of kind of filtering it in real time to kind of just hear that word that you need to say to wake it up. And then it kind of, I think, listens even more intently to kind of be like, okay, cool, we're especially needed right now. 
it's also a lot easier because they're looking for only one word. So it's a lot easier to have your software locally just on the Amazon Echo device programmed to only listen for a few really specific sound signatures than it is to set up these microphones to completely understand everything you're saying at all times. So the really difficult processing of kind of having a whole kind of few sentences worth of audio that could be kind of shrouded in noise and real kind of difficult to hear, that is still kind of how can you process by Amazon in their big cloud servers with like a lot more complexity involved. I would even say they've probably got artificial intelligence and stuff that is really kind of fine-tuning it and trying to actually understand what you're saying. A large part of it is also training, so this could also be another reason why they're trying to get into so many houses, is thinking out loud and also probably something I should have mentioned earlier, is the whole artificial intelligence side of it is Amazon are trying to beat Google in having the smarts. So if you're wanting to win when we have a world full of artificial intelligence and just expecting our computers to be smart, then you want your artificial intelligence to be smarter than everybody else's artificial intelligence because people are starting to already expect high things from their artificial intelligence. So if you chat to people now and be like, oh, how often do you use Siri? Almost everybody will tell you that Siri is crap and that, you know, it barely hears anything they say and it doesn't understand and it's stupid. But initially when Siri came out, everybody was like mind blown by the fact that you could speak at your phone and it would do things like send text messages and stuff for you. And we're already at the point now where we expect it to do a lot more and we are already criticizing it because Google's own version, which you have on Android phones, is way more advanced. Google have a whole lot of kind of advantage over Apple in the space because they have the data. So Apple are more privacy conscious. They try to say, well, we don't want to store all of your data and we want to keep it just for you and isolated and we don't keep your records and that sort of stuff. I'm paraphrasing. There's probably stuff they do keep on you, of course. Whereas Google are very much the opposite, where Google are more on the side of trust us. We need your information to make it better and more personalized for you, but it's for your own benefit. So Google, I personally trust just because for now at least, I think the people in charge of the company are actually trustworthy people who are trying to do the right thing and are actually trying to advance society and get people information, which is a very worthy goal. But it also happens that their strategy works very well in artificial intelligence because to train artificial intelligence, you need to have a lot of input. So you need people uploading tons of photos to your platform, which Google has and you need people who are always talking at your platform so that you can train up the voice recognition to understand people better and know the common things that they're trying to say and being able to slowly work out what the artificial intelligence should have responded with. So if you say something to Google's artificial intelligence that it doesn't understand, then Google doesn't have to worry so much about privacy and saying, well, we can't use that information because people will get upset with us. Google are more, well, we'll anonymize it. We won't say who said that thing, but we can anonymously send it back to our servers and say, people keep asking us this question. We don't know how to respond to it yet. Let's train up the artificial intelligence to learn. So the way this ties in with Amazon is that if Amazon has their service as the one in everybody's house and their service is the one which is hearing all of these questions, Amazon get all the data of what you're asking it. And so Amazon gets to be the ones who say, well, we know what millions of households around the world are asking our devices and our platform all the time. So they will advance much faster than say Google could if they got a leapfrog over them in that way. So in that way, that could also help them monetize it where they might not monetize the Echo itself, but they could definitely monetize their artificial intelligence. And they could definitely go to big corporations and say, if you want smart systems, our smart system has been trained by millions of people around the world, and so we have the most advanced system. 
Right now, I would tell you they don't have the most advanced system. Google definitely, by far, has the most advanced system of everybody, but sadly, it's not quite as prevalent yet. So if you compare them and if you're really interested in this sort of thing and you can get a hold of a whole bunch of different devices, you'll find that Google is a bit smarter at using artificial intelligence to have a continued conversation. So they can remember context. They can, if you say, you know, oh, how old is Thomas Jefferson? And it tells you how old Thomas Jefferson is then you could also say, and why is he important? And Google is more likely to understand that when you said he, you meant Thomas Jefferson, who you asked in the previous thing. The Amazon Echo only just recently started doing this, but to a much not as kind of advanced way, where it kind of vaguely remembers now, but before it didn't at all. So previously you'd say to Amazon Echo and you'd say, you know, who is Thomas Jefferson? And then you could say, how old is he? and it would say, I'm sorry, I don't know, or how old is who, I don't know what you're talking about anymore, and it's already forgotten. Google was a lot smarter than that. They kind of built in that sort of artificial intelligence, and it's more kind of natural to be able to do that sort of thing. So the idea with artificial intelligence especially is that you want these devices to be able to have just general casual conversations because people don't want to be thinking about the fact that they're talking to an artificial intelligence system. You don't want people to kind of get frustrated and be like, what do you mean you don't understand what I just asked you? You should know, which we're already seeing evident by people getting frustrated by Siri, as mentioned before. So that sort of thing where if you compare a whole bunch of them, so put Siri next to your someone's Android phone, especially the new um, Allo chat program that Google released has a preview of their latest Google Assistant smarter artificial intelligence system, and you compare it to, say, the Amazon Echo. If you have conversations with each of them, you'll notice that they're each stronger at different things. Over time, they all kind of want to be converging and be like as smart as each other. And the only way to do that is by having tons of input. So that'll be fun. That was Patrick Catanzariti, founder of devdiner.com, talking about voice-operated technology. Read his tutorials and articles on devdiner.com. And that's all from us this week on Diffusion. Would you like to hear your voice on radio? Go to the website, click on the tab on the right, and send a voicemail to be played on air. We need more people contributing stories to Diffusion. Send your contributions, opinions, helpful suggestions, and donations to science at diffusionradio.com. That's science at diffusionradio.com. And please do send me an email so I know you're listening and you'd like to hear more episodes. Please like the Diffusion Science Radio page on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Tell your friends. Follow me on Twitter at Ian Wolf. Support the show at patreon.com slash diffusionradio. Checking production was Charles Willock. I produce Diffusion, which is broadcast around Australia to 27 stations on the community radio network, including 2RBM in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales, 8CCC in Alice Springs and Tennant Creek, 2NVR in Nambucca Valley, and 3MBR in the Mallee Border Districts of Victoria and South Australia. Diffusion is syndicated globally on the National Science Foundation's Science360 internet radio station, and also on astronomy.fm. Subscribe to the podcast on the Diffusion website, www.diffusionradio.com. That's www.diffusionradio.com. And check the website for links, photos and videos about this week's show. If you enjoyed the show, then you can explore more than 900 previous episodes archived on diffusionradio.com, where the shows are labelled by keywords so you can focus in on the stories you want to hear. Subscribe to the Diffusion YouTube channel at youtube.com slash C slash Diffusion Radio. I'm Ian Wolfe. Join us inside your audio device of choice 
for more Science Wondering next week on Diffusion Science Radio.